Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Hello, DT crew. Good to be back with you, and uh, welcome back, as always, to DT Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is June 4th, 2023, as I record this, which is episode number 37 of season 2 of the podcast, and episode number 64 overall. I know it's been a few weeks since we were together, and I apologize for that. Um, If you are a a reader of the newsletter, you'll know I've had a a few things going on here. Uh, My wife, unfortunately, had a a passing in the family. Her grandfather passed away, so we were uh, dealing with that. My dog also had to have uh, surgery to fix this lingering sore he's had uh, on his arm. Uh, And my wife has actually been interviewing for some uh, uh, new jobs. She is a, uh, a biology professor, and she's interviewing with a few uh, universities that would uh, move us closer to our families. So all of that has kind of uh, <laughs> conglomerated into uh, giving me much less time than usual to dedicate to my uh, writing and podcasting endeavors. Uh, and of course, uh, next week I have a vacation that was scheduled months <laughs> in advance. My wife and I are celebrating our 10th wedding anniversary, so that's also uh, obviously taking up some time. So my plan here is to uh, record two podcast episodes today, which are going to encompass Chapter 39 of Declaimer's Discovery, and will take us to the end of Part 4 uh, of that book. Um, so that'll give you this episode coming up, and then uh, next week's episode as well then I think that'll mean we'll have one more week after that where we break. So yes, so this episode's going to come out on June 5th, and then there will be an episode on June 12th, and then June 19th there probably will not be an episode because I am going to be away all of that week. In fact, I'll be returning on June 19th, so no episode then, and then we'll be back to episodes again on June 26th. So thanks everyone for bearing with me, and thanks to uh, the well wishes uh, I received as well in response to my uh, my newsletter last week. Um, other than that, not too much to update everyone on. I am still plugging away on part six of the Spoken Books Uprising, Fire and Ink. Uh, the draft is up to 143, 45,000 words, something like that. I think that officially puts it past Declaimer's Discovery as the longest book in the series now, and I've still got a fair bit left to write on that. I mean, it could be like 170,000 plus words by the time it's done. So you guys will have a nice big book to read uh, once that is finished and out in the world. That's <clears throat> um, still been kind of a, a struggle for me. I don't know. I think it's partially because of the inconsistent schedule I've been on 
the past couple of months and partially just um, I'm juggling more characters in this book. So I'm trying to make sure everyone is as nicely developed as they should be to make sure you're all getting the best story possible. But that just also means I'm I'm juggling a lot more information than the kind of, uh, you know, linear storylines that follow just one or two people of most of the other books I've written in the series. But never fear, that book will uh, be out probably, you know, by the end of the summer for you all to enjoy. Um, and then last but not least, as I announced on the last podcast episode, which was now the, now a few weeks ago, um, I'm going to try reading um, and discussing uh, a book with all of you that I did not write. Obviously, I won't be narrating the whole thing, but um, just kind of a traditional book club situation. So we're going to be reading the first book of Patricia McKillop's Riddlemaster series. Uh, what's the first book called? The Riddlemaster of Head. Uh, I plan to be reading this on my vacation, um, and we will discuss that book on the podcast episode that's going to air on july 10th so uh mark your calendars for that um and if you haven't already picked up a copy of that um and you would like to participate go ahead and do so and you can send me questions uh you'd like me to answer about the book uh, on the podcast dtkane at dtkane.com questions or even if you just want to like hear my opinion on certain things that happened in the book or just my opinion on certain things generally about it um that's all fair game, and I'll probably have a few discussion questions that I'll share with all of you as well in advance of the, the episode. Uh, okay, so that is all. Um, we're going to get into this week's narration now, and there's, there isn't going to be any further discussion after the episode, so it'll just it'll just end when the narration's over. So this is going to be the first part, the, the first half, rather, of Chapter 39 of Declaimer's Discovery. Uh, as you may recall, a few weeks ago, we finished Chapter 38, where uh, Deliritus discovered that the uh, the Triumvirate Congress representative from, Enigman, or from Enigma is none other uh, than Rox's sister, Adalexa. Uh, and they had a, uh, a little confrontation there that almost resulted in some bloodshed, but did not, and now... Farston has announced the official beginning of the Congress, and that's where we're picking up things in Chapter 39. So, uh, again, good to be back with all of you, and uh, hope you enjoy continuing our read-through of Declaimer's Discovery, Part 2 of the Spoken Books Uprising. Chapter 39. Dell's Seat was right beside the Enigman contingent, which he refused to believe was anything but intentional. Farston had given him a smile like candy mixed with acid as he'd shown Dell to it. The Duchess Adalexa, Dell could still hardly believe the giant woman was a reader, much less Rox's sister, stared at him in such a way that Dell half expected lightning to shoot from her eyes and strike him dead. He tried his best to ignore her, though beads of sweat trickled down the side of his face that was turned toward her, so much for his earlier spark of courage. He grasped the handle of Rox's razor, which he'd propped against his chair, seeking from it some small bit of the comfort that the man's looming presence usually supplied him. 
Farston had added further insult with the furnishings in Dell's area of the dais. Although the duke had known he had no attendance, the space was arranged with several seats and shelves upon which to rest belongings. The emptiness of all this furniture emphasized Dell's lack of an entourage. As chair of the Congress, Farston was seated at the center of the dais, Dell to his left, the representatives from the conservatory to his right, with Enigma on Dell's other side, and Fortune's representative beside the conservators. Farston's position was by far the most luxuriously appointed. Rich satin banners in the forest green and gold of Fortune hung behind him, a fine mahogany writing table covered in golden trinkets at the side of his leather armchair, which had a back that loomed over him like a dragon. Ag stood to the other side of Farston's chair, his gray harbor's clothes pressed to crisp angles, and his mask, made of a leather that matched Farston's green boots, was polished until it shone like a mirror. Farston's speaker was chained to a leg of the armchair, a pair of blinding goggles strapped over his eyes. The representative seats were arrayed in a semicircle facing the crowd, at the center of the dais was a podium behind which Farston now stood. He began the proceeding with a prayer to the scribes and a laundry list of thanks to various individuals who had helped in organizing this special session. Dell soon found himself suppressing yawns and struggling to keep his eyes open. Despite having slept away most of the day, the whiskey had addled his brains, and his liquor-induced slumber had been far from restful. Which brings us to the reason for my calling this special session with all haste, Farston said. Dale had missed the last few minutes of drivel, but a subtle shift in the Duke's tone indicated he was finally done with the pleasantries and getting to something of substance. Dell's stomach began to churn, as that meant soon he'd be called upon to address the crowd. I needn't recite the details of the great travesty and tragedy that befell Galfet Library a fortnight past. Just awful. Despite Farston's words, he hardly sounded upset. If anything, the evenness with which he spoke seemed to carry a note of amusement. Yet one look at the crowd showed nearly all assembled were in rapt agreement with Farston, eyes locked on him, nodding along with his words. Those responsible have since been apprehended and made to pay for their crimes, of course. Yet it hasn't been enough. Unrest remains. Why, just a few days ago, a speaker was caught breaking into my own personal study. What the poor soul hoped to gain, I can't begin to imagine, but it just goes to show. None of us are immune from the slackening of discipline amongst the city's speakers. Dell hoped that speaker had done a number on Farston's quarters before he'd been caught, the Liamina Duke deserved something awful after everything he'd put Dell through. But despite the unprecedented nature of the attack on Galfet Library, Farston continued, 
it was sadly foreseeable, as there has been a progressive movement in this city for years now, suggesting speakers ought to be granted greater rights. It is no wonder that a few misguided souls finally took such suggestions as a basis, however twisted, to rise up against their natural masters. Worse still, even after the murders, the progressive bloc, led by none other than Galfet Library itself, continues to put forth a bill for this Congress's consideration, proposing reforms to the very bedrock of this nation's principles, the very system established by Actus Torchsire and memorialized in the Triumvirate Consolidation Treaty. Discontented rumbles filled the amphitheater. So to begin, first and continued once the crowd had quieted, I'd invite the representative from Galfet Library to address his arguments in favor of the bill he is sponsoring. Bill's eyes turned to where Stefan, the man in the many-colored robe, had been sitting with the young woman. However, both Stefan and the woman were now gone, and the man who rose at Farston's bidding was on the theater's other side. Man? Boy, really, too young to have even participated yet in the trials. He wore the emerald green of House Galfet and had facial hair that was too patchy to truly be termed a beard. He was tight-lipped and pale as he acknowledged Farston. Marquis Galfet, Farston said, this body expresses its regret for the murder of your late father, and trusts that your library will soon appoint his successor. This was rather irregular. The library's steward ought to have been serving as its representative in the absence of a duke or duchess, and Stephen had made clear he was Galfet's steward when he'd spoken with Dell the day prior. Thank you, Duke Leomina the Marquis Galfet said in a voice that seemed to break on every other syllable. We are in the process of appointing a steward, and will begin selecting a new duke or duchess as soon as the steward is in place. In the process of appointing a steward? Dell grimaced, hands clenching into fists. Stefan had been lying about his position as steward? But why? What benefit could he have hoped to gain by uttering such a fib? Hmm, Farston hummed, a tone of complete disinterest. Would you please address the bill that your library has sponsored? Representatives, you will find a copy of it on your writing tables. Dell glanced at the polished surface of the table beside him. A thin leather folio sat atop it. He flipped it open to find a sheaf of paper covered in precise script, a giant drop capital filling the page's upper left quadrant. The document was written as if already law, as was customary for proposed bills. Mostly it was a bunch of meaningless legal gibberish, definitions, jurisdiction, dispute resolution. Nothing anyone but bureaucrats and barristers ever read. The meat of it was small, about three-quarters of the way down the page. Speakers shall, one, not be whipped or submitted to comparably severe forms of physical punishment except for acts of murder or sedition, and two, 
permitted to rest every seventh day. Is this really what we're here to argue about? The words were out of Dell's mouth before he realized his lips were forming them. Farston's head slowly turned toward him. What was that, Marquis Torchsire? Dell glanced back down at the paper. The day of rest would be an inconvenience, but rarely did any library see supplicants seven days in a row, so the income loss would be minimal. And the punishment? Well, Dell knew a few readers who'd be disappointed over that, but he'd never been one to use the whip anyway. Nothing, Duke Liamina. Farston stared at him with those pale eyes, reminiscent of waves filling one's lungs with brine. Dell shuddered, but remained silent. Marquis Galfet, Farston said, returning his gaze to the unfortunate young man. If you please. The youth produced a handkerchief and mopped sweat from his brow. Galfet Library, on behalf of the Fortune Reform Elite Establishment. The what? growled Duchess Stonebinder. He means the progs. Duke Rovery replied, covering a yawn with the back of his hand. Marquis Galfet's face reddened. We prefer. Are you going to get to the point, boy? snapped the conservator from Fortune. Dell shook his head, looking back down to the sheaf of paper. This was absurd. No one intended to listen to this kid. Certainly the Fortune Reform whatever had a more eloquent man amongst them, yet this was who they selected to address the Congress? The youth wrung his hands at the admonishment, though his eyes also narrowed. The point, honored Master Restorer, is that the murder of my father was a natural consequence of how we treat the speakers. The words would have been far more impactful had they been uttered in anything other than the young Marquis's shaking, ear-rattling voice. Still, Dell was hard-pressed to recall anyone ever so publicly uttering a sentiment that seemed to sympathize with speakers. All at once, he wanted to both utterly dismiss the youth and urge him to continue. Most of the crowd, though, only experienced the former sentiment. Angry shouts erupted from all corners of the main neck, drowning out whatever it was the Marquis Galfet had to say next. The rumble continued until Farston finally raised his arms for silence. It is true, the youth went on. I dare any reader more than a few years past his or her trials to look me in the face and say they've never seen murder in the eyes of a speaker. Why else have retirements been on the rise every year for the past decade? You all want to call me a naive ninny, but I'm just a realist. Men can only take so much, even speakers. Even the most loyal dog bites the man who strikes him without cause. What is a day of rest and fewer whippings compared to the lives of oration's readers? Don't you see? This bill benefits us as much as them. Dell thought there were fewer angrier outcries than when the youth had begun to speak, but only a few. Once more, Farston motioned for silence, though this time, rather than permitting the Marquis Galfet to continue, he addressed the audience. Eloquent words, Marquis. Eloquent, yes. 
His tone was genuine enough, but the gleam in Farston's eyes suggested he felt anything but sympathy for the youth's arguments. The Marquis Galfet looked about him uncomfortably, as if unsure what was expected of him. Farston just continued to stare at him until he resumed his seat, eyes to the ground. "'We are a nation of laws,' Farston said, "'and sometimes laws must be amended. "'But I would be derelict in my position as chair of this assembly "'if I did not remind those of us gathered here today "'of Aptus Torchsire's famous words. "'Those who hold absolute power hold also the lives of their lessers.' Let us assume, for the sake of argument, that the Marquis Galfet's proposal is as he frames it, a modest concession. Yet, a single step down a muddy hill is rarely the only one. I submit to this body to consider, if this measure passes, how long until the next is proposed, and the next after that. It may seem an impossibility now, but if we budge today, are we setting upon a path where one day speakers would demand rights equal to those of readers? Farston permitted the crowd to shout over him, the edges of his lips twitching upward. Beside Adele, Duchess Stonebinder slammed her fist upon her table with such force the wood cracked. I know not the answers, Farston said, raising his voice over the din. That is for Oration's chosen representatives to decide. They will now each address you and their colleagues. And who better to begin than the progeny of the very man who authored the Triumvirate Consolidation Treaty, Marquis Deliritus Torchsire? Continued angry cries drowned out what little applause there was as Dell rose and moved to take Farston's place at the podium. Halfway there, he realized he had the Galfet proposal grasped in his fist. Hurriedly, Dell folded it in two and stuffed it into an interior pocket of his jacket, just as he was passing Farston, who was on his way back to his seat amongst the representatives. He gave Dell a knowing smile. "'Support me,' it said. "'Support me, or all of oration will know of your deception by nightfall.'" Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it, and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com podcast. D.T. Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find DT Kane on Facebook at DT Kane Author or Twitter at DT Kane Author, or send DT Kane an email at DT Kane at DT Kane.com. See you next week.